Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Suck it! Hey guys, welcome to a whole new episode of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by Jason Brooks. Another week of wrestling in the books. This time around we actually watched quite a bit of it live, and we'll talk about that experience and a lot of the other things that happened in the three days that WWE took over Brooklyn, the Barclays Barclays Center. Jason, how you doing today? And I know that's been kind of a stressful week with the uh, you actually moving into a new place. Yeah, it's been a little crazy for me moving into a new place and kind of going through all that. I was in New York City last weekend, had to come back early this weekend. It's been a little crazy, but looking forward to getting into uh, wrestling with you for sure. It's been a very, very interesting week to say the least. Now, this is one of those very weird weeks. Last, last Saturday, uh, me and you went to NXT. Sunday, we watched the pay-per-view at my place with uh, the members of the Kitchen Sink podcast, Eddie Z and Chris Wizard. Really good time watching the show. And this is one of those crazy... I was, I was not sober, by the way, during that. Go ahead. I, don't, I, I was the only person who was sober at that time. That made it more entertaining to watch you guys. But um, <laughs> one of the things that is amazing... when. We always talk about how when we do a podcast, everything is in the moment, and it's an instant take. It's 30 seconds after you watch something. It's like, you know, when people are on Twitter now or they're talking about, you know, talk, you know, different uh, TV shows. Or you have, you know, these writers. And, you know, the twi- when it comes to Twitter, everything is an immediate take. When I saw the way that the uh, John Cena-Seth Rollins match ended, I don't know if you remember this in your drunken haze, but I wasn't exactly thrilled with it. I thought the John Stewart thing was really hurt that match. And then we had the final match. You had the false finish with the Undertaker and Brock. And if we would have done a show at that point, I would have been really angry and annoyed. But then I saw what they did on Monday with the whole tired thing with Ric Flair and then stuff they did with Sting with all these things equaling out. My opinion has changed. So, I mean, it's, it is kind of interesting on how... All this week, as we had to delay the show a couple of times, you're moving, my scheduling, my opinion on what I saw over those three days changed. And, you know, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it is really interesting to see because, like I said, I've had a lot of mixed emotions over the last week on what I thought about those three days of shows. The WWE does some things that are not the best that we complain about a lot, but one thing they're great at is promoting matches. And we saw that with... Rollins with Cena and then with Brock and Undertaker. We may not have been satisfied with the conclusions, but somehow they figured out a way to spin it on us and make us, you know, make us into these matches, which is again why you get frustrated at certain things that they do in general. But yeah, I, I think that they've made the next Undertaker Brock match very interesting. I really like the finish of Undertaker and Brock, to be honest with you. The Cena Rollins thing was really a mess with John Stewart, but they wrapped that up pretty well too. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Sting and stuff like they literally got rid of one storyline and just totally changed it around to another, and that's what the WWE does better than any any company. Well, it helps when the majority of other companies are inept what they're doing, but that, that's our TNA. I mean, job. That, I mean, that's it, right? I mean, that that's the problem. But some of them aren't. I mean, Lucha Underground we think is really good. Ring of Honor, we think, does a good job. Some of them do do a good job, but WWE is just the biggest one. Absolutely. Now, we'll get more into Undertaker and Brock in a few minutes, but I want to just take a little moment over here to talk about the thing with Sting and the thing with the Jon Stewart segment to start off this show, and especially the fact that I was I was there live at Raw, so it was most likely a different take than when you watch it on TV, which I wound up watching some of it on TV just to get a feel, and I think it came off good on both. But I really, I enjoyed the uh, the John Stewart 
Ric Flair, John Cena segment. I thought that was done I thought well. it was very funny. I thought Stewart was very good. I also feel like, and I could be wrong, but John Stewart, because I, I think he was into wrestling, and then he got out of it, and then his kid was into it, and then I got him back into it. He seemed like he was into it. Like, he was a fan. And I think that's the one thing that I like the most. He was funny, like he is, and he seemed like a fan. That's what the WWE needs to focus on. Get some dudes, celebrities who, like, want to be there. And I, I definitely thought he seemed like he wanted to be there and that he was into it. And he was very funny, too. Absolutely. I mean, I thought maybe at the very end he could have been a little bit more serious with the very end of it. But what really worked for me was that he felt like all of those uh, Internet marks or whatever you want to call them, the smart yeah. marks, on who hate the idea that Cena has a – the next time he wins, he'll tie the great Ric Flair – like the anti-John Cena at points you think is like the anti-Ric Flair. Flair. And I think that's what they were going for. I think that's exactly what they were going for. And in Brooklyn, it's a perfect place to do that. If it was in Iowa, that would not have won over with the crowd as well. But in Brooklyn, Philly, Chicago, whatever, that's going to go over fantastic. And I think it really worked well um, with that crowd. And it got him some mainstream publicity, what the WWE always wants. As some people may or may not know, I worked for a CBS television, and on multiple shows, you saw the that clip of John Stewart taking the uh, attitude adjustment at the you know on their broadcast. You know where they some of them making a little bit of fun of it, sure, but they always say you know no all publicity is good. You know, so I mean that John Stewart thing I think worked well. I mean when I saw it initially, like I said. There was like, oh, oh, great. You have this classic world title match, and you end it this way. But you know what? After you saw it all play out over the, the three-day period, or in this case, the two-day, I really think it worked well. And I don't think we see John Stewart again for a while. But the next time I hear John Stewart's going to be there, I'm not going to be like the typical, you know, actor, celebrity going on saying, special guest host, you know, Quentin Rampage Jackson. Ugh. Jewel's coming on. You know, hey, 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 hey. Nothing wrong with Jewel coming on, okay? Hey, Jewel's a, fine. Jewel's got, you know, very pretty. But I remember when her and I think her uh, country singer boyfriend or husband was on as a guest host. I think they're divorced now. She's available. Okay. Put her out there. <laughs> well, um, bring her out there. I'm single, ready to mingle. There you go. Jewel? Exactly. Bring her out there for Corey. Uh, Jesus. Uh, the show went down fast and not too, <laughs> didn't take long. But I, I, like I said, I think that the Stewart thing worked. I think if it was, maybe it was almost anyone else, I don't think it would have. But Stewart's a guy who has great comic timing. And I think by doing The Daily Show all these years, it was like, not training, of course, it's silly to say that, but it was a way to make this work better. Now, getting into... As everyone knows who's ever looked at this show, my favorite wrestler of all time is a man called Sting, who's 50-plus years old. I think he's like 56 years old. Five years older than Juicy Thunder Live, who was on NXT. But it really had some conflicting thoughts, especially being there live. On this podcast, I always am like, the old guys shouldn't have the spotlight as much as they have now. They should put over the young guys, which I think most likely will happen. But at the same point, you know, the... 13-year-old Corey, or 19, whatever it was, Corey is sitting there going, holy mother of God, it's Sting. And, you know, you're, there's, and you're going, he's holding the world title. This is so cool. And the other part's going, can we give, you know, the young guys a chance to succeed? And, you know, so this is what... You really say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't give me this bullshit. Okay. Are you really sitting there thinking... You saw the statue thing come out and sting up here. Were you like, man, why wasn't Dolph Ziggler there? No. No, They were I, going crazy no, no, because uh, Sting was there. Hold on. And that's what they were going for. Am I wrong? Hold on. Unfortunately, one of the people that was at the show with us is the greatest heel in the history of mankind, our buddy and Eddie, Eddie Z. Said. And Eddie Z goes, the first thing he says to me, I know you're a Sting fan, but isn't this what you always say on the podcast? The young guys can't get over. <laughs> so then, of course, on the way home, I'm going, you son of a bitch. Just because someone who's watched the show was, was, was being a dick, <laughs> and we love Eddie Z, but that's what he can be. A heel, basically. Uh, were you not 
out of your mind. Oh, it was for awesome. Whatever. And that, but that's what they were going for. Absolutely. I think no, I agree. We're already established. Everyone, people are in their places, and that's kind of where they are. It is what it is. Stay with the guy who you can just, by the way, TNA, obviously, they couldn't do anything with him. And now he's in the, he's main eventing a WWE pay per view. So it tells you where TNA is. But anyway. Shots fired, yeah. Um. Well, yeah. So. They, you can put this guy in a spot. They need to build up Rollins, and that's something maybe we can talk about later. Rollins and how they're booking him, but they can put him, put Rollins, you know, put him over with Rollins. It'd be interesting to see him lose the match after losing to Triple H, but you know, whatever. We'll see. Um, I'm glad they did it. I think it'll be an intriguing match. I think uh, Sting is in really good shape. For his age or any age, he's in better shape than both of us, and we're 20-something years younger than him. And, uh, well, you're not 20 years younger than him, but whatever. <laughs> but whatever, we're 20 years younger than him. And, and Rollins can wrestle with anybody. And I think they'll have a very fun, entertaining match. Now, one thing that was interesting about the night, and I don't know if it came off as like this on TV... But the three most over guys that was, I'm oh, sorry, three most over acts that were there on Monday, seeing it live. Hold on, can, can I guess? Sure. Let me guess before you say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the Dudleys staying in the New Day. Actually, that's, uh, the New Day was fourth, I think, was the, the fourth most over thing there. Okay. Ric Flair. The three. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what do they all have in common? They're all Older. guys from another era who... I don't know. I mean, like I said, I you wonder if when they come to New York, a different set of older fans come out who enjoy the legacy stars, and that's what they still equate to. But it was interesting, and this can we could talk about this now. Is the idea that is there any besides John Cena, and you maybe you want to say Roman Reigns? Is there anybody of the current guy that is really over? All the, I mean. I'm listening to the reactions, either positive or negatively, of all the guys when I was there. And I'm sitting there going, Sting is over. I know he was a surprise. Dudley's were, were over. Ric Flair is always over. You yeah, and, what, and, those three, all, and those three also were surprises. Right. What, what do we have, Corey, every week? We have Raw, that's three hours. SmackDown, that's two hours. We have NXT for an hour. Um, we have the pay-per-views every month. Wait, we've been seeing Dolph Ziggler on our TV for, how, it seems like, 25 years, okay? You know, him and Lana in that whatever jumpsuit from the 80s she's got on, like, I'll be honest with you, I'm not that into Ziggler. I'm not. And I was a huge fan of his a couple of years ago. And I still think he could be a big guy, but goddamn, we've been seeing the guy for years already doing not much. I so agree. I think... A lot of this, Corey, is fatigue. You know, we'd see Sting on, you know, Nitro. And then we'd see him, something, he wasn't really on Thunder. But we wouldn't see these guys stuffed down our throats. And it's not WWE's fault. They have to produce television. It is what it is. But I think that, that hurts also. And I've said this forever. Giving these guys an offseason. Giving these guys a couple of months off. So we don't see them every freaking week. That's also a factor as well. I think that also, and I, is also another factor is what we, what I always talk about is the 50-50 booking, right or wrong. When the guys who were on top during the Monday Night Wars era or even before, those guys won consistently, so you knew that they were big stars. They felt like big stars. Well, when the you Dudley's can, lost all the time. I mean, the Dudley's lost all the time. Flair lost all the time. He was a mess. I mean, he, he, I mean, he lost all the time. Dudley's lost all the time. I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. No one, no, no one seems, no one ended up being, other than Cena and a couple of guys, no one seems like a superstar. They seem like wrestlers who are there on the show. Even, we could talk about the Divas later, women. It's the same thing. Who, who's winning and losing these matches? Who gives Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. You know, you need to build people up to be stars. And I, I don't know. Are, are they afraid? Is WWE afraid to do that, to have squash matches again? 
but they can't do squash matches, right? You can't do that. But here's what I will say, and I know we got a lot of stuff to talk about. How Lucha Underground did it is amazing. It is the best job I've ever seen of them having few squash matches, but still putting guys over. And you could say it was 50-50 booking with their guys, and they only had an hour, and I get that. But they made so many guys on their roster, and guys and gals on their roster, feel important, feel like they meant something. They didn't have to be the champion, but there was an established main events, mid-card, and low-card. Established. And the WWE, for whatever reason, hasn't figured that formula out for a long time. Other than we know Brock Lesnar and Cena are the two biggest guys in the company. Other than that, it's a hodgepodge mess. And, I mean, you know, that's why we're sick of some guys. And, you know, you, you brought up, uh, just to say this quickly, you brought up Ziggler's name earlier. Somebody on Twitter went and I put a thing saying, I guess, to Ziggler, like, you know, I really hope they put over a bunch of the, uh, put over a bunch of the young guys like you. And he wrote back to me, and says, I'm 35. And you're sitting there going, first of all, Ziggler's 35, because maybe because the way he looks, you think he's younger than he is. But Ziggler has been on this main roster one way or another in all these different, you know, as a member of the Spirit Squad, as a caddy, all these different things for years. And he's, he's aging out. He really is. I mean, there's a new generation of NXT guys who are going to be taking his spot before you even, you know, notice it. So, I mean, it is scary, on you know, at that point. But getting back to uh, getting back to Sting and Rollins, I mean, let me ask you this: Do you think Sting winning the title, having the title for like a month or two, would be a, would be a, would be a terrible thing? I think it'd be horrible. They've booked Rollins, and, and this is something we can get into. You know, Alex Greenfield and I think Ed Ferrara talked about this on the MLW podcast, so I have to give these guys the credit. Absolutely. And we've, we've talked about Rollins a lot and how he's booked, and we haven't loved it, but I've never made the connection with what these guys have said. Essentially what they said was, Rollins has been the chicken shit heel, which is like, all right, that's kind of what we like. We, we like that role. We think he's done a good job in that role. But chicken shit heels in the past... We'll go with the greatest one, Ric Flair, right? He was, he always had Arn Anderson, Tony Blanchard, Barry Windham, you know, some iteration of the of the four horsemen interfering in his matches, getting disqualified on purpose, interfering in his matches, whatever, whatever. But he was the leader of the group. He led those guys and told those guys what to do. Rollins is basically the underling of Triple H, who doesn't even wrestle. So essentially, Triple H is really the champion, and Rollins is just his boy. And I, and I've thought about there's something that's not connecting with me with Rollins lately, and I think that's it. And I, 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 I he's not being booked as a as a big time champion, and so that's a long way of saying yes. If he loses, that's going to make him look even worse. What is Sting going to do? Wrestle Ziggler for the time? I mean, he's not a full-time performer. And so I think I, I wouldn't like seeing it at all. I think it would be terrible. Now, Paladin 808, uh, my partner here has stated several times in the past, that's not what he is on Twitter, at Paladin 808, has stated many times in the past, you think that there should be, there could be a Triple H and Rollins thing. If there's going to be, this could very well be the start of it. You have Rollins lose to Cena, and you have Rollins lose to Sting on the same night. It'd make him look like absolute dog crap. And that's the start of what happens, the feud between Triple H and Rollins. And then you build that toward maybe WrestleMania or what have you. I don't know. But I don't want to see it. I want them to keep putting Rollins over as a strong heel. Make him beat someone fair. And for those who uh, want to listen to that particular episode that Jason was talking about, it's uh, episode 194, SummerSlam Tailgating Party from the MLW Radio. They always do a great job and always glad to support another great podcast in the process. Now, the reason I was saying the idea of possibly Sting winning the match 
is like I said, building towards that that breakup. You know, I think that there's still a market out there. Would Wendy Rollins not look like shit? Wouldn't he look terrible? Well, if you're telling the story of the fact he had this incredibly tough match with Cena and a, an eight, yeah, you could an older Sting was able to go and win the match because Rollins was basically, you know, running on fumes for that match. And, you know, you could have him be champion for the, for the house shows. I think it might help attendance on the house shows, bringing back, you know, the legacy star. I'm not saying I would do it, but I could see the, the you know, the other side of the coin on where you can go and put the title on Sting for a month, maybe two, then have him lose it either back to Rollins or have him lose it to, you know, someone else if you want to go mm-hmm. and... Not have you know, if you want to put the title on Sheamus or something, you could have. Wait, what is the advantage of him winning this match? What's the advantage of Sting winning? A couple of house shows. You were this guy. What they have in rounds is they have a guy who now can talk. Is one of the best. He might be the best worker in the company, top five at least. Now he's top five on the mic, which I, I never would have thought of. They need to have, he needs to be an upper echelon guy, which you can say, well, he is, he's the champion. That's fine. But we've already talked about our, our, you know, the issues with his booking. Now you're going to have a 56 year old man beat him? I think that would be, I think it'd be absurd. I think it would be awful. I think it'd be awful. I don't disagree. I think it would would really potentially hurt him. And maybe he could come back from that. We've, We've seen that happen many times, but I think it would hurt him in the short term for sure. I, can, I see your point. Like I said, I, I agree with you. I'm just throwing out the other idea on that side, That's what right. it could happen. Um, now, let's just get quickly before we move on to the things. Brock Undertaker, when I saw it on Sunday, and I'm still not in love with the way they did it, and we had this discussion. I, saw, I know you were a little buzzed. You may not remember it. But <laughs> Jason, Jason on his vacation has become a full-time alcoholic. <laughs> uh when, when you you know it's when you have to move boxes you know you, you need a little uh, liquid courage but those muscles have to come in but I, I don't know I really did not like the way that match ended I thought it was too too much I think they were they, they had to figure out a way to make everyone still look strong you don't want to make undertaker lose again you don't want to have you know Brock lose clean to hurt his momentum. But I think if you didn't have, and I would have not had a big of a problem with that, if you didn't have the the finish you had in the the co-main event. I think your two biggest matches, the two matches we really cared about when we spoke last week, was the title match and the rematch from uh, the the streak. And when both yeah. matches end in screwy ways, I think it was just a little bit too much. You know, if it was one or the other, I would have not had as big of a problem with it. Just get your thoughts quickly. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I, I get that. I thought the Stewart thing was really corny. I, that ending I did not like. Just because, like, they explained it on Raw, and it's fine. I just didn't love it. But I thought something screwy would happen, and so I wasn't surprised. But I wasn't outraged. I liked the Brock Undertaker ending. I thought if you're going to have a non-conclusive ending, that was a good way to do it. Put over Brock Strong but then have The Undertaker win, with The Undertaker still kind of staying as a heel to a certain extent, I thought it was a good way to do it. They kept Brock strong. They kept The Undertaker as kind of a heel, but he doesn't need to win because he's The Undertaker. And he's, you know, and he's not on the main roster every week. So I thought it was creative, and I, I, I enjoyed it, actually. I thought, I thought it played out well. But I did not like the Rollins Cena thing. And I could see how you would think, well, this wasn't a clean finish. Now, the other main event's not a clean finish. That doesn't make sense. I get that, too. Now, do you think... Now, you said it here, so I guess that's your answer. But do you think either when they fight again or the next time we see The Undertaker, do you think Undertaker is a heel? Or do you think he just was doing... The, it was a storyline of this guy was going to do whatever it took to win to get rid of that, you know, clean the palate of what happened a year and a half ago with his legacy getting hurt with the streak. So basically what I'm asking you is, is The Undertaker a heel, or was it just for that yeah. one match? How do you how do you think the fans are going to react when we see him again sometime down the line? 
So those are a bunch of different questions. One, how are the fans are going to react? I, I think they might take him as a heel. How is he going to come off? I think he's going to come off as the guy you mentioned, the guy who just wants revenge. I don't think he's going to come off as the I'm the heel. I don't think so. They they may. You know, if it's a WrestleMania match, they have a long build. But also, it's going to be Undertaker's hometown, so it'll be interesting to see if that's a part of it. Um, but, no, I think he comes off as kind of, I just want revenge. And I do think at this point with The Undertaker, he's so over with the crowd. He's so established as a, as a longtime guy, as a legend. They don't need to do the heel babyface thing as much. We already know where Brock is. Uh, he's the most over guy in the WWE by far. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I don't think they need to uh, they need to do that with The Undertaker's first turning the heel. I think that will happen naturally. Now, do you... now? One of the things that was in Paul Heyman's promo was the fact that he wanted, he didn't have to face, you know, The Undertaker at Mania. Now, the first time we ever saw The Undertaker was at Survivor Series, supposedly his last year. Everybody thinks he's going to retire at WrestleMania. Do you think we should see Undertaker Brock 3 at WrestleMania? It's that big it needs to be there? Or do you want to see it at a Survivor Series or something else so we have Brock could have another opponent at Mania, and Undertaker could have an, another opponent at Mania. I think the natural storyline they already have built in is to have Brock against the Undertaker. Um, I think Survivor Series would be an interesting point to put that because last year's main event Survivor Series was ridiculous. So, um, although it ended up cool with staying, but you know the whole idea of it was ridiculous. We thought Ziggler would get a push then, remember that? Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think... Um, Ziggler push. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They could do either or. Um, and I think Survivor Series would be an interesting matchup. You could do Survivor Series. It'd be a good main event for the show. Um, but it feels a little more like a main event, a WrestleMania match. I mean, me personally, I, I kind of want to see that match at Survivor Series, like I said, because of, it would almost be putting the book on his first match at Survivor Series. We see him at one last Survivor Series. And two, I just, I think Undertaker should be facing a guy like a John Cena or someone else at Mania's final match. I, I'm not a huge fan of seeing Undertaker face the same guy every year at Mania. We've seen him, you know, face Triple H, you know, like three straight years, we saw him face, you know, there were two great matches, two of the best WrestleMania matches maybe you've ever seen against, you know, Shawn Michaels. But I think that it should be, Brock, you know, maybe Brock versus The Rock at Mania or Brock versus maybe you have another match versus Rollins if he still has the title. I just think that there's a story to be told of different guys facing these premier guys at the big show. Well... I don't disagree, and I don't think I'd be upset either way. I guess we'll see what happens. Very true. And I guess the last thing on this subject, when, when do you think we see Brock again? Is it? I know we're going to see him on the network in the middle of October for the uh, Madison Square Garden show that they'll be showing, just like the Beach from the East special. But besides that, do you think we see uh, Brock again anytime soon? Or is it just either when we finally find out from the Undertaker, either at, you know, Summer Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania season. When do you think we see Rocky, Brock again? So I think he has more appearances on his contract than he did before. Because he's on Raw a lot. He's been on Raw a lot the last few months. Um, I think the Undertaker already said he wasn't going to show. It sounded like that. So I don't think we see Brock for a while. If your Survivor Series thing is correct, then that's when we would see him a month from now, you know, a month, two months from now. But um, I think it's going to be a while before we see it. If his appearances are anywhere close to the number that he had, you know, the last couple of years, we won't see him for a long time. He's made a lot of appearances lately. Any other quick thoughts on SummerSlam before we move on? Anything that really stood out? No, I, I thought you know I, I thought it was a good show. Um, I thought Stephen Amell, another celebrity, we were talking about that before, did a great job. 
Um, again, he's no, he's not Daniel Bryan in the ring, but I thought he really did well and he cared about what he was doing, and I, I think he did a good job. Uh, other than that, SummerSlam wasn't anything like necessarily outstanding, but it was a good, solid show. Do you think we see Stephen Amell again? Do we? Do you think we see a Stardust versus Stephen Amell one-on-one match? Sure. Well, the rumor is that he's still working on getting better in the ring, that Amell is trying. So if it's true that he's still trying to work on wrestling, then I think we will see him at some point. Also, you know, I know you showed me his Instagram where he took the picture of this big welt on his back, and he said, totally worth it. I think that means he's going to be back if he can be. Because I think he really likes doing the wrestling thing. And uh, he's a good athlete, so I see that happening for sure. Very cool. And I would agree. I thought that match was better than anyone had any any need for it to be. So um, let's, I guess, let, let's get into the return of the Dudleys quickly here. Dudley boys returned. It looks like they're going to feud with the New Day. New Day, I think, has, I think the New Day needs the Dudley boys right now. Because I think the New Day was becoming too much of fan favorites because they're so good on the money. I mean, the whole crowd was chanting New Day rocks, correct? I just want to make sure. Absolutely. They were going crazy for them, correct? Yeah, and they did that at SummerSlam also. I mean, they, they were over it. I mean, you could say it's the Brooklyn crowd, but you hear every week there's more and more chants for New Day rocks instead of, you know, the New Day uh, stinks or sucks, whatever the, the chant is. Yeah, and they're going to have to... I mean, you know, Jason Powell mentioned this too with uh, ProWrestling.net. Do they switch them to more serious heels or do they keep them as kind of the fun heels? I don't know if you saw the interview with Michael Cole and, and New Day. It was, I mean, it was, I mean, I was crying. It was so funny. But it was not at all a strong heel move. It wasn't a Kevin Owens heel-esque interview. So... I don't know if they make them become more serious heels and more dastardly serious heels or make that they do the same thing. Because it's probably going to be appreciative of them being fun heels. Um, so we'll see where that goes. What, what do you think? Um, I, I, I think they need to be a little bit more hard-edged heels, not as goofy, because I think it hurts, it hurts them with being the heel characters. And the longer they do that, the more the fans are going to try to get them to turn, which I don't think it's time. But I think it's interesting on the idea of we don't want to see Sting win the title, but I'm guessing at Night of Champions, we're going to see Dudley Boys versus New Day. Do you feel as strongly the idea of the the Dudley Boys, no longer Team 3D, you know, winning the titles at Night of Champions? Or do the fact that they were active in TNA for all that time that it still feels more viable and it's something that could be interesting. I mean, what, isn't the point that the, the good guy chases the bad guy until he finally gets him? If the good guy gets the bad guy right when he goes after him, then what's the point of the storyline? You know, that's why you have a first act, second act, third act. So I, I think you keep the belts in a new day. You turn them into a little bit more serious heels, at least for now, and then you kind of work with that. So I, I don't see the New Day winning. I, I see neither one of these nostalgia teams winning. Although I think the Dudleys will win the title at some point. Now, you have, I don't know what your relationship has been with the Dudleys over the years or Team 3D, if you've liked them or not, because we really have never really spoken, spoken about that. But I'm wondering, I guess we got the answer because he's back, but is it more, is it a bigger thing to be a single star in TNA with the bully, you know, the Bubba Ray, Bully Ray character, which it's was... Not, it's not even close. Not... I don't have to answer the question. Is it being a bigger star in a tag team in WWE or, or main event level single star in TNA? Not even close. What, what, one, for one show, 500,000 people watching. For one, 4 million people watching. Not even close. Would you, well, the other part of that is, would you like to see after a little while, we're not going to call him Bully Ray, but would you like to see Bubba Ray Dudley get a singles push in the WWE? Or you think he's, he's there for one reason, one reason alone, help the tag team division, and you're back to being a tag team wrestler, basically? Yeah, I think he's a tag team wrestler. I think that's who he is. 
um, in WWE, and that's what he's been. I mean, I know him and Devon kind of got a little singles push there. I still remember that Triple H uh, Bubba Ray match on Raw a number of years ago, but it is what it is, you know, and they're a tag team, and that's what they've been in the WWE, and there's a lot of guys who don't have opportunities, who haven't gotten opportunities. Wade Barrett, we talked about Ziggler, a ton of guys, so we don't need another singles guy who needs to get an opportunity in there. Uh, we're good right now with our singles guys. Get a, get a solid tag team going. I, I I agree with you, but I don't. I mean, I think Bully Ray... I mean, wh- wh- who do you want him to be? Who's he going to be? He doesn't have to I mean, win. I mean, Kevin Owens is basically his character. From I mean, that's basically what his character is. And Kevin Owens does it really good. So, and he's 20, you know, 10, 15 years younger. So, I'd rather Kevin Owens do it and Bubba Ray be the... You know, whatever, you know, tag team guy. And there's no offense to Bubba, Bubba Ray, because he's great, and he was great in, in TNA. But we don't need that. We don't need a 45, 50-year-old guy. We don't need that. Put over some of these young guys. Let them have their spot. We've been talking about this forever. I don't mind staying in a W's having their spot where they are. But do I need to see Bubba Ray be a singles wrestler every week on Raw? No. Not when there's so many other guys who need opportunities. All right. Like I said, I was just going to quickly say that I I thought the Bully Ray character was, was done so well over the last couple of years that it would be interesting to see that character on a bigger stage. But I think there's a lot of tag teams that they can work with. I think you can they can work with the Wyatts. I think they can, if you wanted to keep uh, Reigns and, and Ambrose together for a little while... I think they could do some really good matches with him. So I think, I, I, like I said, at one point we would like to see him get that singles push at some point, but I think there's a lot of guys to work with that for right now at least, I think the Dudleys are a nice change and a good thing to be back. It's funny. You know, two, uh, half of the, the members of the TNA Hall of Fame were on Raw last night. And if you want to count Samoa Joe on uh, NXT, it was basically like a mini invasion of, you know, TNA guys, you know, being on WWE TV over the weekend. What a mess. What a mess. Well, they were on WWE before TNA, except for Samoa Joe, so. Exactly. Well, let's let's get into the show that we were actually in, we were actually at together, uh, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. I thought it was a terrific show. I thought it was by far the best of, the three shows they put on over the three-day period. I think that the women's match was by... I'm not going to say by far, because I think some of those other women's matches you brought up, the Bailey, I mean, the uh, Becky Lynch versus Sasa match, which was we actually rewatched. I thought it was very good also. But I, I really think that's set a bar really high. Well, it was the best match of the weekend. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Now, I it was a great live experience. I mean, we spoke about last week the idea of maybe we should have gone to see ROH, but I think that was, I think that match said we went to the right show. And I think the experience of seeing that NXT Brooklyn crowd was, was you know, things that you're going to remember for a while. There was, you know, and I think seeing Apollo crew for the first time in person, I think that's something that, was really done well. I mean, I wish Ty Dillinger didn't have to lose after just getting a new gimmick uh, as we get the, uh, the 10 sign from my partner in crime over there. But let's get a couple of thoughts on the NXT show, and that will work us into what I think the big thing everyone's talking about this week, the women's uh, reaction on Monday. But let's uh, talk a little about NXT before we get into that. Yeah, I'll talk about the women's match last, since that's where we're going to go. Um, the Owens-Finn Balor ladder match was great. I, I very much enjoyed that match. I thought those guys worked hard and did a good job. Apollo Crews, uh, Yuha Nation, that dude is impressive. I mean, he looks like a shorter Bobby Lashley. He's a monster. Never got to see him in the independence, but he's a great athlete. He's jacked. I mean, he's... You know, if the WWE doesn't give him a you're a black guy gimmick, which they probably have started with the name Apollo Crews, then, you know what I mean? We'll see. But if they just build him up like this guy's a kick-ass superstar, like they tried to build Bobby Lashley, which is why Lashley, I think, really had a chance for 
uh, sustained success in the WWE, then I think he'll do really well. Um, and, you know, the fun show. We had the tag team title match. That was a, a pretty uh, good match. It was good to see the Vaude Villains win the match. You know, um, the Jushin Thunder Liger, Dol- or, or Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Tyler Breeze match was okay. Thought it was, was a fun, it was a fun match. And Liger does a great job of playing to the crowd. Um, and then there was one other match that I was thinking of that I can't. Like, oh, the, uh, puncher, Baron Corbin against Samoa Joe. I think it was probably Corbin's match, best match to date, which isn't saying a lot, but I think Joe carried him. I think Corbin still had a lot of work to do, but I thought it was, I, I thought it was okay. And the main event, I mean, the main event to me was Sasha and Bailey. It showed with the crowd. Well, the crowd was really into the Finn Balor. I mean, Finn Balor's really over at Owens are. So, it was definitely a coming event, but, no, you didn't hear people talk about, you know, there were a couple of guys in one part of the arena, like, yelling, oh, women, blah, blah, blah. But even they shut their mouths when the women were getting into it. And it was a tremendous match. I said this before. They built Bailey up as a Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn type, as a woman. But they didn't say, she's hot, and she's pretty, and she's this, and she's that. They just said, this girl's been trying, this woman's been trying to get this title for so long, and she's been injured, and she hasn't been able to get there. She wasn't mentioned as a diva, or as a girl, or that she's jealous of this one, or that their nails are prettier. It was, this woman wants the title. That's it. She's an athlete, and she wants to be the best. Why is it so fucking hard for them to do on the main roster, but not on NXT? She's an athlete. And she wants to be the best. And that's the way they built it up. And it was just, Corey was amazing. It, it was the, the best women's match I've ever seen, most likely. And, you know, it is the best women's match I've ever seen. When you consider the emotional stakes that were attached to it with Bailey and the storyline that was done, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just a good match. There was so much drama and things filled within it. Um, I, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. And um, I don't know, Sasha was great. I mean, Sasha's always great. And she was over. But, you know, you were worried before uh, about whether the crowd would be, you know, into Bailey. But they were, man. They were rooting for her, especially after she did that re- reverse Hurricane Rana. I mean, they were into her. It was, I can't say enough about how good that match is now. Ugh. That just it was great. Now, I'll just give you my quick thoughts. I, like I said, I thought it was cool. Uh, the Apollo Crew thing I thought was well done. I'm not a Baron Corbin fan, so it, it was extra nice seeing Joe. You know, beat him. It was nice to see a guy who we both we both saw Joe. I at least I, I saw Joe in ROH. And I think we saw him at a house show like years ago in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh. It was great to see him on the big stage. You you were super into pretty much almost everything in that car. It's really funny watching Jay go seeing wrestling live. Jay either goes and will just go, all right, this is cool. Or Jay has the, it's like Jay is a huge, a huge, huge fan of almost anything he's really into. Huge Packers fan. Where if, if you we uh, just a little thing because you know I was told that we should talk a little more about ourselves, you know, on this podcast. Good point by you. But we actually were at one of my best friends in the world's wedding a couple of years ago, and where it's after the, it's before the wedding, it's the day before. We're all sitting around. It's on a football Sunday. Or was it actually the next day? It was a football Sunday. We couldn't get the Packers game, so I had my Sirius XM radio, and this this guy over here is. Swaying back and forth, you know, scaring the other people that were there with him going ape shit on every time the Packers got a first down or they blew a, a coverage. Guy couldn't see anything, but just watching. And then just think about that, and then him watching at a wrestling show, watching, you know, Bailey and everything going on. I literally thought he was going to punch me like six times. He he, he shoved me a couple of out of excitement. But the guy just goes crazy. I mean, it, it was the, it was beautiful to watch his excitement as a fan. You know, usually we just hear talking about the inner workings of what happens. But if I would say going to NXT, you saw a different side. At least I did. At least as a wrestling freak for Jay. I mean, I don't know if there was anything besides. You even enjoy, I think, at least the the way that Eva Marie was 
received by the fans getting basically booed out of the arena. I loved it all. I mean, Corey, this is the thing. We do this show every week, and there's some things like, oh, this is awful, you know? And there's some things I, I mark out. Like, I'm a mark. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan. And I, you know, I wasn't as into wrestling. I kind of got out of it when I was like a teenager or whatever. But I, I'm a big fan. And stuff that's awesome is so well done. It's such a great story sometimes. How they build people up. How they build men and women up. And so when I see things that are not done well, it drives me crazy. What they're doing with this. Let's just go to this, this Divas Revolution. What they're, what they're doing with it drives me crazy. They need to build these women up as athletes, as I want to be the best, as, you know, I, you know girls go, you know, with the men's segment and calling them girls, 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 and they're jealous of each other and they're pretty women fighting and blah, blah, blah. Like, I want the championship. I want to beat women's asses. You don't have, it just. I would like to beat, well, okay, look, never mind. I'm talking too much at, about that. Look at it like the Shield. When the Shield came in, and their motto, if they would have brought Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky up, it would, and they would have had promos similar, they could have basically made the female Shield. Why not? Shield was four years ago. If they would not, if they would have put those women in and put them over like the Shield, you don't think they would have been over? Absolutely. Now, a hundred thousand percent. That's what the fans want to see. They want to see those three women because they're the best. Alicia Fox talking, she's been there nine years. I like Alicia, okay, and I think they should do more with her. But these three that they brought in are the best. They've been trained the best. They're the best wrestlers. Sasha's the best talker that they have. One of the best talkers in the company, definitely the best talking female. I, I don't know. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just, I'm fired up with the, with the women and what they're doing. Let's go to let's talk about Raw in Brooklyn and how they they so you live there live. So on TV, I watched it today and I don't feel like I got as much of an impact. Like the wave, they chanted we are awesome. Now I've seen that during Seamus Randy Orton matches, to be honest with you. So it wasn't as big of a thing, but I feel like after watching how the women were received, especially Saturday, it was a totally different deal. So Talk me through how it was being live and seeing that. All right. Um, I don't think, well, first of all, I don't think uh, that Miz TV segment helped at all. Um, I think the now, one of the things that you realize being there live, and I've said this, I think, when I was at the last show in Brooklyn, three hours and 15 minutes of being there live is long. A two-hour NXT show or, you know, extra, because there was just match after match, I think it flows better. But when you're there, when when you're there live, it's just draining. And that middle, that whole entire second hour, I think, was kind of a train wreck. But the fans, I don't know for what it was. I don't know if it, it seemed like a lot of people, I, like I saw people that were there at the NXT show. I saw them there on Raw that night. It was a lot of the same people. But I don't know if you want to say that the match didn't start off slow to begin with and the crowd was just restless at that point. But the crowd turned on that match so fast. I don't know if it has to do with the fact that the fans don't respect the Bellas and anything the Bellas are in, it's going to be there's going to be a hate factor there because they're not the, the wrestlers of the group. But it was just, I felt, I felt dirty as a wrestling fan sitting there watching these people just not even giving these women a chance. Like, I, you know, you look at it, these women were working hard. I mean... Yes. But it was just... Maybe they get... One of those long match, Corey. Absolutely. That was, what I was think, that was what I was thinking of by, you know, watching it today. I'm like, shit, this is a long match. I mean, you, you also realize that on the that three-hour Raw, there were only four matches on the show. Which is for typically, I know it's the day after a pay per view and you're trying to set up other things, but you had the New Day match, you had the Eight Man, you had the Divas match, and, I, and you had one other match which I can't remember off the top of my head. But you had, you know, you had so much talking and everything else. It was just so weird. And I mean, the way that the Divas, women's wrestlers, sorry, Paige, the Bellas, I don't know if it was, I think Alicia Fox, Handled it on Twitter and Instagram afterwards. 
I don't know if that was the right thing to do, but I mean, I feel bad for them, the fact that they were working hard. One thing, though, you know what? When you have that type of reaction going on, and we saw during the NXT show, you saw how important like the referee and other people are on directing how things are going. When things are going the way they were, I think that was like a 14-minute match, and I, I know you want to give the women more time to develop and do stories, but that's a plain thing right there. If you see that you're losing the crowd that badly, you got to call an audible. you got to go and say, we're going we're, we're gonna to wrap this match up, we're going to... You know, instead of the match being 14 minutes, we're going to be like, you know, 11 or 10 minutes. That match just dragged on, and... It was so long. The fans just lost all semblance of caring, and it was just, it was tough to see. And it's and it brings up the question, what did they do? I mean, one of the things they did was Sasha Banks, who was over all three, you know, all three days, and when I say all three days, she was the most over-diva in the Miz segment... They were yeah. chanting. It, it was, I don't know how it came off on TV, but they were chanting her name. There were people that weren't NXT fans who didn't see the NXT show who were sitting in my section who were going, who is this woman? They had no idea who she was, but it was like, who is she? Maybe we should see her. You know, I mean, <laughs> Sasha Banks, I know that, you know, it's the Brooklyn crowd loved her. She's really good. And maybe you don't want to ha- when you're trying to build a story of the baby faces versus the heels, you don't need another heel stealing the spotlight. You almost have to change maybe things around a little bit where you have her come out and maybe interfere or something just so you soothe the insanity of what those fans are doing. Like I said, the fans chanting and doing all this stuff is disrespectful. But you know what? It's the idea of you pay your harder money if you're not throwing things and you're not rioting, you're not trying to beat up the wrestlers. You have you. You're able to do what you want, you know, as long as you're not causing a clear and present oh. danger. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things where you have to go and say, "Are these? What do you do it? The the women's revolution, maybe by calling that the Diva Revolution to begin with, was a bad sign from the beginning. If you're calling something a revolution, you're already maybe giving them an idea to fail to begin with. Well, you're giving it. You're giving it a hashtag. So, Will Pruitt from ProWrestling.net. My dog's barking in the background. Uh, Will Pruitt from ProWrestling.net had a really good article about the Divas uh, and about the women's movement and, and what they're doing. And she, he really he really equated it to NXT in that what they're doing with NXT is they don't call it a movement. They don't call it a revolution. They just have women wrestling for the top prize. And they make the top prize meaningful. And they call it a woman's title. And the women don't talk about how they're pretty or they're this or they're that. There are women who are, um, they, they, there are women who are heels for sure, and there are women who are baby faces. And but the way they build them up is essentially, Corey, like the, like the men. I, it's the same thing. You know, Dana Brooke came there, and she, you know, she's an NXT uh, a women's wrestler. And she was a former bodybuilder, and now they brought her in, and she looks at herself like she's superior to the women because she's a former bodybuilder and whatever, whatever, whatever. Similar to Baron Corbin, a former pro football player, and he thinks he's better than everyone because he played professional sports and he was an athlete. But they didn't bring her in as you're a woman or a girl and a diva, and so this is your thing. That's what they need to do. And I don't know, it, maybe this is a Vince thing, maybe I'm missing something, but the way they profile these women on this show are, and the other thing is, nobody wants to see the Bellas. Not when you've got these legitimate women who are good in the ring. I think Nikki Bella's fine. You know what? You know what? You know what? I mean, the, the her promos are not the best, but I think Nikki Bella's fine. I think she's gotten better in the ring for sure and is better on the mic. And I think Bree's not that. But at this point, we're ready for something else. We're ready. Now, if you want to throw in a total divas thing and kind of, you know, have that be part of the storyline where the only reason why they get the push is because they're in total divas and throw that into it, I think that'd be an interesting storyline. Let's see a storyline. Let's see something meaningful with these women other than the BS. There's these rumors that Nikki's been champion for as long as she has. 
there's a couple of uh, uh, people saying, one, it could be because they want her to break AJ's streak because AJ left. Two, because of her relationship with Cena, and supposedly Cena is keeping these other women down. And, you know, Nikki did respond to that on Twitter, Twitter and says, oh, I, when people are trying to keep me down, but this is who I am, blah, 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 blah. Or I don't know. But, it, you know, Lance Storm, I don't know if you heard something he wrote. It was very, very interesting. Basically, he said if they don't change what this Divas revolution is, then it's not going to work. And then six months from now, we're going to get women, these women wrestling on his matches, and no one's going to care. I don't know what the answer is. But right now, I'm trying to give them storylines and, and build them up like NXT, but it doesn't seem like they want to do that. It seems like they're refusing to do that. I love Vince, okay? We all do. Happy belated birthday to Vince. He's a 70-year-old man. What does he know about women's... I mean, he's, he's a 70-year-old man. I mean, he's a different generation. You see Serena Williams and Ronda Rousey. And they're, you know, Will Pruitt mentioned this. You know, they're mentioning these women now. Serena's been champ for 15 years. Ronda Rousey's been the biggest in UFC for several years. This isn't some coincidence. Like, these women have been on top and big time for a long time. Yet now we're like, oh, we should start having the women, you know, be jobbers in matches and have them, you know, be a part of what we're doing on Raw and SmackDown. I don't know. Maybe, Corey, you have SmackDown be the women's show. Maybe you have the women profile more on SmackDown. You do more of those storylines and those slow-building storylines on SmackDown when you make them seem like they're legitimate. I don't know. But whatever they're doing now is not working. And I don't think it's going to change because I think Vince has an idea on what he thinks women's wrestling is. I think he has an idea of what it is because it's not the same shit we've been watching on NXT at all. So, I mean, you know, uh, it, it doesn't help when uh, I understand you want to give people characters because that's the big thing. But do we have to have, you know, Becky Lynch being, you know, the weird, crazy one who starts talking about nonsense? That's the character we're giving her? She's... Who cares? She's a great worker. I think she has got a good finisher. I think that, you know, she plays her character well of being, you know, great great in the ring. I don't understand why we got to give her a gimmick of... She's just, you know, she's crazy. I don't really think that really helped Alicia Fox get over that much. I mean, it gave her like a week or two where we knew she was after, you know, nine years of being there, but who cares? You know, she's, an, she's the, what, the last kicker? Fine, she's a tough chick who uh, who fights. I don't need to see her talking about, you know, ghosts and whatever other crap she was talking about. Now, usually we do this show, you know, earlier in the week, so we don't know what's going to be on Raw tomorrow, but uh, we are doing the show on Sunday. First, we can say, you know, luckily for the people who live in Florida... This hurricane is not going to hit, so Roar will not be canceled as of this point. That was a worry, but things that we know of right now, uh, Sting's going to start off the show. We have the Beat the Clock for the very first time of Woman's Style with the three members of uh, Peanut Butter and Jelly competing to see who gets the next title shot. And we have the long-awaited rematch from SummerSlam of Rusev versus Ziggler. Any of those things... uh, Really make you say I need to I need to watch you know at eight o'clock Eastern tomorrow. Um, no, I, I'll be well. I'll be interested to see Sting's promo. Um, that should be interesting. Um, you know, maybe he'll talk about Triple H. You know, he did say no matter what I do, I'm going to try to I'm going to haunt the authority. I'm going to haunt Triple H. So that's probably along the lines of what he's going to say. The beat the clock challenge. I mean, whatever. Right? We'll see. Um, so I think Raw will be okay. It won't be anything like last week, but I think Raw will be okay. It'll be solid, I'm sure. Which one of the three do you think will actually get the shot at, at Nikki and Nia Champions? Charlotte. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think Charlotte is the one that they have the most faith and confidence in. Um, and so I think she's the one they go with. They're all fantastic in the ring. They really are. But I think Charlotte's the one they go with. And Charlotte's probably the weakest worker of the three. Uh, one last thing from Raw that I was thinking about, I just want to get you a quick opinion before we move on to anything else, if you have anything else to talk about today. 
What do you think of Braun Stro uh, Strowman or whatever they're, they're calling the newest Braun, member? Braun Strowman. So first of all, it's interesting that he was in, yeah, it was interesting he was in NXT first for a while, um, but we really didn't see him. So they did a good job of hiding him. I don't know if they hit him intentionally or what they did, but it was interesting that he was down there for so long. We didn't see him on the, the NXT shows often. Um, he's a big menacing guy. I think, um, you know, he looks like he, you know, he's a big guy who knows if he can wrestle at all. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, and others have mentioned this, they can hide him for a little bit and he's kind of multi-team matches for a little while while he gets his feet wet. Um, I don't think him against Roman Reigns is going to be Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan. You know, I don't think it's going to be that. But I think it could be, you know, interesting. Um, and I, I think he's a new character. I, I'm surprised to continue with the Reigns and Ambrose thing. But if they're going to make those guys kind of a tag team, which I actually think is a good idea, um, then, you know, maybe that's where this whatever, you know, the strolling guy comes in. But what about this? They've been referencing Sister Abigail lately. And there's been talk that the WWE officials are thinking about, I don't know, putting out Sister Abigail. I kind of like Sister Abigail as an abstract and her not appearing. I think that loses some of the, I, I don't know what the word is, but kind of that uh, aura that Bray Wyatt has around him talking about this this woman who we don't know where she is or if she's really around. But then if we see her and she's a, you know, blue pants, then we're not going to, we may not be as into it. What are your thoughts on, on we, we talked about this in the past, but it looks like it's more of a possibility now. What do you think that the possibility of seeing Sister Abigail is? Would you be interested in seeing Sister Abigail? Um, you know what? I... I kind of agree with you on the idea of the, of the of the idea of the character, but I think wrestling you always they're always going to build to a reveal. I don't see who in NXT you could have as Sister Abigail. I don't. No one really, you know, pops out as a as a candidate. I think I think it would be someone who's not who's not who you don't see every week. I think it would be someone who they haven't developed mental who can talk. And maybe she wouldn't even be a worker, but I think it'd be down someone who can talk. Kind of like Lana, where Lana appeared, and we hadn't seen her in NXT. I think that's what it would be, if I had to guess. I mean, you know, or it could always just be Eva Marie coming back up to the main roster. No, just kidding. Oh, my <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, I think the, I, I think the idea of new members of the Wyatt family, I think, are interesting. It might help develop this story, because I think, as good as Luke Harper is, I really... I've gotten a little bit, we've talked about this in the past, a little bit tired of the Bray Wyatt character. I think the character needs to develop some a new edge, something different, and maybe bringing in a Sister Abigail will help the uh, the gimmick. But one thing I find interesting is we're going to have six-man matches with uh, the new Wyatt family, and Sting, Sting was rumored for a while to be with, you know, something with Roman Reigns and Ambrose. Who do you think takes that spot as a third of the third member of a for six-man tag team, is there anybody who jumps out, either in developmental or someone you know, they, maybe they can bring in? I mean, the one guy who, who for me, is, uh, is Samoa Joe. Because I think, you know, also having the Samoan heritage with Reigns, that would work. But, I mean, I don't know if they're going to bring him up anytime. So is there anybody who really steps up in your mind? Um, so I don't think it'd be Joe. I think they're going to keep him in NXT for a little bit. Um, man, that's a great question. Who is a baby face who's not doing anything? Maybe Neville? I don't know. I don't know if the Stardust feud is kind of dead. Maybe, maybe Neville. Um, it has to be a baby face. I mean, Neville's the only guy I can really think of. If there's anyone else, Shazaro, but I think he's going to be busy. He's pretty busy. Um, uh, who do you think? Other than Joe. I don't think, because I don't think Joe's going to come up. I don't know. I mean, like I said, just like the Sister Abigail thing, I don't see anybody. I mean, do you add? Or maybe, or maybe they don't have. They have, they have tag team matches and Bray Wyatt's on the outside. I mean, they did that for a while. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's what they do. Maybe. Um, like I said, you know, it's interesting. New character, new developments. We'll see where that goes. I guess over to say is it was a good three days in Brooklyn. 
for the WWE. We'll see where they go from here. Got a couple of weeks till uh, NXT, not NXT, the Night of Champions. We know that Sting's going to face Rollins. We think that Cena is also going to face Rollins. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with all these things. But Jason, uh, I think it's that time of the show where you let people know how they can follow us and uh, maybe let them know about our great sponsor. Sure. Uh, we are sponsored by Punch Apparel. That's www.punc.co. Clothing that rocks. Uh, go there, check out some clothes. If you find things you like, go to um, checkout and type in SHOOT, all in caps, S-H-O-O-T, and save 15% off. Shipping is also free worldwide. You can go to Corey or I on Twitter. Corey's at Paladin808, and I am, or both of us, are at WorkShootPod. Check us out there. Please subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss a show. We're doing this one on Sunday night. Usually we do the show Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so it's random. So to never miss an episode, download, uh, download and subscribe on iTunes, the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Also go to our website, www.workshoot.podomatic.com. That's workshoot.podomatic.com. Also don't forget to check us out on Facebook at the Work Shoot Podcast. Great. Like always, uh, just closing like usual, uh, like you said, Will Pruitt and the guys at ProWrestling.net, led by Jason Powell. You should always check out their stuff. They bring up some really good things, especially this week, about how the women were received over the weekend. So check them out at ProWrestling.net. I believe their, their, their SummerSlam sales, unfortunately, is over now, but great product. Give, give them a look. Every week I try to bring something to the table. Unfortunately, neither of us are going to be able to see it, but PWG, one of the biggest indies in California, is having Battle of L.A. Sounds like a great uh, three great nights, and I guess we could say when the DVDs come out, they sound like they're going to be well worth it. If you're ever in California or anywhere in the country, you should really go out of your way to support the independent product and go see a wrestling show. WWE puts on a great product, but a lot of the guys that you're going to see in the future come from ROH, come from PWG. May actually be if there's ever a house show again for TNA. So check out the independent product and check us out again next week, hopefully a little earlier in the week. But for Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond. Thank you for the support as always. Jason, the floor is yours. I think we're done here. See ya. Give me what it takes now. Praise.